Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat the Designer. on Bears fans, another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast live from training camp. So excited to still be here. Courtney Cronin in the building with us on today's episode and we got a lot to talk about. We saw the first day of pads. Courtney, the first thing that actually looked like real football. It did and it felt like real football when they talk about the pads popping. That's such a football cliche, but it actually does sound different. Like oh, a yeah. practice sounds different when guys are hitting the sled and hitting each other to a degree. Obviously, they can't go full go, and that's something that I know players have talked about. Like, how do you peel back? How do you go as hard as the coaches want you to? Yeah. But, hey, we're getting a step closer towards the first preseason game. We've got football on the way on Thursday with the Hall of Fame game. Like, we're actually making some progress, which yeah. is good. So excited. I mean, here's... There's so much to get to on today's episode because we had a couple of guys go down with injury. Mm -hmm. We saw some really nice plays. Make sure that you guys stick with us through the whole thing, man. We're going to break down what we saw from training camp today. First day at pads. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. We do talk Bears football five days a week. Stop playing with us over here at the Chicago Bears podcast. Let's jump into this, Courtney. We we just getting out of the press conferences. Uh, we talked with Coach Flues. Let's start off with the the bad, get some of the bad out of the way. We saw a couple of guys not practicing today. Uh, it sounded like they were dealing with some nagging things. And then, of course, we saw Demarcus Walker and Jack Sanborn leave. Do we have anything on that at this point? No, and I think the thing with the injuries that, like, or at least like what we perceive as injuries, given what Matt Eberflew said about Roshan Johnson, Kari Blazingame, and Nate Davis – the way that they handled this last year, because remember, the pre the first injury report does not come out until the Wednesday before week one. Yeah. They don't have to disclose anything at this time of year. So they're going to go about this in a way where they give you is the least amount of information imaginable, unless it's something more serious. So he said that those three guys are working through separate things with the trainer. It is weird though, because we didn't see Nate Davis and, and that's not abnormal if a guy has an injury, but we did see Kari Blazingame and yeah. Roshan Johnson and they were out there watching practice. Typically, if you have guys that are doing that, they're closer to being back than they're not. So we'll see. Um, it was, it was, it, it like paved the way though for Treston Ebner, for Travis Homer to yeah. get some reps with the twos and with the threes in the run game. So that's at least a good productive sign of what they were able to do when they didn't have Roshan Johnson and Kari Blazingame out there but Nate Davis is an interesting one because he's expected to be a starting right guard for this team yeah. and I, I don't know we, he, it's been it was weird because on Saturday he he didn't play every rep at right guard there was some Lucas Patrick mixed in there there was some Jatari Carter and then of course today we don't see him out there on the first day of pads it's not a vet day Nobody gets a vet day on yeah. the first day of pads. So <laughs> I definitely want to monitor because you, you know, this offensive line has had so much continuity and you don't want to disrupt that if you can avoid it. It helps having Lucas Patrick, who's already been with this offensive line, who yeah. can play center and play both guard spots. But you'd like to have the guy that you, you know, just gave a nice big three year, $30 million contract to playing for you on a consistent basis. And you just hope that it's nothing more serious than maybe something that might put him out a couple days. Yeah. I mean, in, 
it, the one thing that you said, and, and you felt it in practice, right? He was one of the loudest people, one of the most excited people. Seeing Lucas Patrick finally be able to step in there, getting reps with those number one guys, I thought that, um, you know, just looking at him, he looks okay. He's picking guys up in the mm-hmm. end zone. He looks like he's healthy and ready to go. So thought that was pretty He looks happy to be playing. He looks excited like, about He was football. out there yelling. And, I mean, he was that guy last year. So this was an offensive line a year ago that did have some veteran leadership with Riley Reef and Michael Schofield. But this was Lucas Patrick's unit. Yeah. And then it wasn't because he got hurt. So I think for him getting back into the mode where he knows he has a role, it might not be as a starter, at least might not project as a starter. Yeah. But injuries happen up front a lot. And knowing that you can slot this guy in and it's more than just a backup, it's quality depth that not every team has on the interior of the offensive line or other positions too. So it's I feel like they're in a comfortable spot if they do have to not see Nate Davis for a little bit due to whatever this injury situation is. Or if he comes back, you still have Lucas Patrick in the mix. So it's a good spot to be in. Yeah, I think I think more more times than not, right, when we get to first day of pads, the thing that people are most focused on is what did the line do, especially with this football team, sure. right? Like, what did the line do? When you we heard from Braxton Jones today, we heard from Tevin Jenkins. When you looked at the offensive line today, what is your evaluation of kind of how they looked on their first day in pads? Did they look a step behind the defensive line? I think anytime that teams go into pads for the first time, the offensive line is going to have a couple reps where at least in the pass rush drills, they get the better of, yeah. um, or like the pass rush gets the better of them. And I, and I saw it a couple times with Darnell, Wright Because it's not just the individuals where the ball snap and one guy's going against somebody and it's a one-on-one matchup. It was all five, on the four from the pass rush. And there were a couple reps where I think it was Demarcus Walker. There might have been a Travis Gibbs or Rasheem Green, actually, is who I know is 94 and then 95 that were working on the right edge uh, with with uh, Demarcus with. um, Why am I blanking right now with Darnell Wright? So like, but I think that's what you expect, because as an offensive lineman, you end up kind of like it was what Tevin Jenkins was talking about. Like you kind of get into that mode of, okay, there were a couple reps that we might've lost, but as a unit that has to work together, like, and you get used to the physicality there, like they'll catch up. So I'm not, I I wouldn't say anything would concern me from that, but watching Darnell Wright go though, watching him and his strength that has been talked about so much in being able to handle, not just like, you know, every rep wasn't bad, but being able to handle and rebound and win a couple of the reps against the defensive lineman he's going against, that's a really impressive thing. And it's something we've heard every single one of his starting offensive line teammates, all four of them at some point, have mentioned just like that sheer raw strength on top of the fact that he came in knowing a lot about playing this position. And now his questions are very like technique specific. Like that's a really good spot to be in. If you are playing alongside him, knowing that your rookie is not just a normal rookie. He's a very, I mean, it's 10th overall pick for a reason. And that puts the offensive line, I think in a really good position to be confident with what they're doing in training camp. Oh, a hundred percent. I thought the, the most interesting thing that we heard today from Tevin was that, you know, when he talked about Darnell Wright, he said, I've never seen anybody be able to recover yeah. the way that he has. Like, he, there's a reason we selected him there. I've never seen anybody be able to, like, be out of position. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm out of position and get back into position during the play. So really interesting to see. I, I thought that the offensive line, it, it's still hard to tell, right, because early on. And the, the fun part with all of this is they're all bears, by the way. So for anybody out there who's just like, I oh, I 
they got killed today. It, it's also good on the defensive line, but yeah, and that's like it's a hard part <laughs> to judge. Like one thing I thought Matt Eberflus said because. Of course, when you're watching the first team offense or any of the offensive units, you're like, okay, was that a sack or could Fields of like, was he actually escaping the pressure? They try to make it as yeah. real as possible. And even Flus was saying, of course, the defensive line is going to be like, that's a sack. That's a sack. And he's like, no, no, not everything was like being able to. There was a couple of times. Of though, even no. J-Mac was next to me. He was like, sack. No, I I agree. And I mean, for me, I felt like there were more than what sounded like Matt Eberflus was willing to call. But yeah. seeing you know, the defensive line, when you're, you're not going to hit your own quarterback, you right. can't. Like, you'll get kicked off the team if you do something and you've got the guy injured. So you have to know when to pull up and when to kind of, like, lay off of that. But also knowing that you did your job and you executed your assignment and that you got, you know, you had put up, put had the right rush moves and you were able to actually generate pressure that would be called pressure because it wouldn't be simulated in a game. And and that's that's good for knowing that like the defense is growing at the same time as the offense. You don't want to go to camp every day if you're a fan and see one side dominating and the other side never winning a rep, you right. know? I I think the number one thing that people are also been asking when you look at where this defensive line is, right? Always the questions on pass rush. Sure. But what do the rookies really look like? Because Javon Dexter going from a two-gap system to a penetrating style. Zach Pickens coming out strong, saying, I want to be a legend mm-hmm. out here. What did, we, what did we see today that that really stood out to you from the defensive line and how they attacked? Because I thought they did some really nice things today as well. Yeah, before Demarcus Walker exited, and we don't know the state of his injury either. Yeah. I know that he and Jack Sanborn, though, did leave after the goal line session during... 11 on 11. So it's towards the end of practice, but he was really disruptive. And that's what's consistently been seen from him. They just brought him in here for that very reason. So that's a good, like a really good spot for him to be in. I think I keep bringing up his name, Rasheem Green. Yeah. Like, because you're watching at least like how they're like going about their rotation. So a lot of times it's Demarcus Walker um, on one side of the defensive line and then Green on the other and then Gibson and you know, Dominique Robinson and the other. So you're seeing kind of how they're rushing in tandems. But I, you know, as far as the rookies go, you notice the sheer size of Jervon Dexter. Like he's huge. And it was, it was Justin Jones yesterday. I heard him wrong at first. I thought he said he weighs 500 pounds. He's like, no, he can bench 500 pounds. So that sheer strength when you're watching the one-on-ones, like he's getting, he's, you know, getting his own on those. And that's a really important thing when you're talking about what you're asking him to do, the two gap system to what he's doing here or what his goal is to do here. That's to get after the quarterback. It's to turn all of those hurries and those pressures into sacks from the inside interior of the defensive line. That's what, he wanted to do at Florida. He was not in a system that really led him to be in that position all the time. They're going to be asking that of him and watching how that rotation unfolds because we still have seen Justin Jones and uh, Andrew Billings as like the w- running with the first oh, yeah. team defense. As they get in pads now, Jervon Dexter, Zach Pickens, watching what, you know, those two interior defensive linemen, those are kind of interchangeable positions and watching where they rush from and then also the rush like counts like who's going with the ones because yeah. we're going to start to see according to Eberflus more reps for the first team units going forward as we get into camp so whether it's five six or seven in a row which we saw a little bit of today during seven on seven like that's going to end up translating to eleven on eleven when you're seeing the 
like the first team units, first team offense, first team defense, go um, get their chance, you know, to, to shine out there and watching the rookies end up like in the mix. That's probably the next step. When you think about like, what are the next things that this team's going to want to look at checks in check boxes on and it'll be okay. Can these rookies, can they be part of the first team unit? Can we rotate them in and be conf and be confident in what we're seeing from them that they can actually play a role in this defense early on? The one thing that stood out to me today, and it's, it's the one thing that, I think we, when we asked uh, uh, Khalil Herbert, you know, what's your estimation of your game and different things like that before, he's like, I don't have pads on. I can't tell. Yeah. The defensive side of the ball looked like they were prepared to stop the run. It looks like a unit that is actually going to be pretty good at stopping the run. Granted, it's only the first day. Mm -hmm. There's a long way to go. But I thought that the defense did a really good job today of, of run stuffing, especially on the goal line. That's something that this defense really really struggled at last yeah. season. They were, I believe, worst in the NFL at stopping the run last season. Yeah, they were, I think they were 31st like in total yards given up against the run. And then today in 11-on-11 11 11 at the goal line, Deontay Foreman, I want to say the first run he had, he ran it for a touchdown, but then like the subsequent one was stopped. And there was a point with the third team defense. It was third team offense versus third team defense where Travis Homer just got lit up. Yeah. There was a beautiful run stop <laughs> run the whole stop. crowd literally just went ooh like and that's and that's a good sign because you're right like the run defense became so bad at the end of the year where you had guys that were out of position guys that were frankly not equipped to be playing and starting in NFL games yeah. and and some guys making business decisions of choosing you know where they wanted to exert their effort against the run and that resulted in what you saw against Detroit and just how embarrassing some of those performances, the Dallas game, all the ones in the second half of the season that they don't want to like have replicate themselves again this year. So that's going to be a big emphasis, the run fits and like having portions of practice that are dedicated towards that. Now, of course, even though they are in pads, they're not going to go full go with that of all course, the time, 100%. just to be able to save, like, you know, save their legs and save themselves from injury. But it is an added thing that I would expect being emphasized in the coming days now that the team is finally in paths. And it feels like they're going with their strengths that they know that they have right now. And, and you saw that accentuated today. So I was excited about that. I thought we saw some really nice plays from from even the DBs in the room, right? We yeah. talked about that unit. Um, I thought Tyreek Stevenson made a couple of nice plays. Um Who's the other rookie? Terrell Smith. Terrell Smith. That competition's going to really, be a good one. Man, made a really nice play, broke on the ball, tipped it in the air. Eddie Jackson comes away with it. Those are the things that are going to turn this defense from the defense we saw last season into, okay, now we're starting to emulate that hits principle. That competition to me is going to be important, not only because – of the situation where which one's going to be CB2, but both of them look really, really good. That could be a situation where we're at the end of the season where I love what Jalen Johnson brings, but we've got two young guys who are cheaper. It's a good thing to think about right now and project it out because right now it feels like both sides, Jalen Johnson and the Bears, aren't close because yeah. we're not hearing anything. And when Jalen Johnson talked last week about his contract situation and what lies ahead in the next six weeks, like he says he's playing this year regardless. Doesn't matter if he gets an extension or not. He also knows some of the things that he needs to change about his game, getting those interception numbers up because, frankly, teams pay for quarterbacks that can take the ball away. He doesn't have those takeaway numbers. Yes, he does a million other great things, yes. but... His pass breakup numbers are 
one of the best in the league. Like, but we you, all agree. But you have to, like, even though you're shadowing teams, opponents, number one receiver, and oftentimes that leads that receiver to not have the ball thrown their way as much, you still have to, he even admitted it. Like, there's th- things that he has to do within his game to put himself in better position for those interceptions. Yep. Now, that's him and what he needs to do. I don't know if we had talked about that yet, so I wanted to bring that up. But then what it means for Terrell Smith and Tyreek Stevenson, let's say that they end up not wanting to extend Jalen Johnson and they let him walk in free agency. You might have two cornerbacks that are developed to a point where both of them could be in starting positions next year. Yeah. So I... I don't think it's a knock on Tyreek Stevenson, but he admitted he had a couple slip-ups in practice. And those are like yeah. rookie things. Matt Eberflew said that's normal for rookies because you're going against DJ Moore, who has incredible body control. And it was frustrating <laughs> for Tyreek Stevenson. He was like getting like irritated about like how good DJ Moore is at, you know, with his leverage. And if you take it away from this side, he's going to be able to put a move on you from the other side. And like that's you're learning, it's trial by fire. Yeah. So it's a good position for him to be in. But he was the one getting the second, like the the reps with the ones as the second, you know, outside corner opposite Jalen Johnson. And then all of a sudden, last couple of days, Terrell Smith made some good plays as a backup with the twos, and he's played his way into those reps with the ones. So Tyreek Stevenson, I thought, handled those questions well today about the type of pressure that puts on him. He's a second round pick. Terrell Smith is a day three, late day three draft pick. Yeah. And how both of them are competing more or less for the same job. And it's really going to be a fun competition to watch because we know running back and how that whole thing shakes out, probably the top competition in training camp, punt returner between Valus Jones and Tyler Scott, another one that you're going to keep your eye on. That spot for CB2 is one that Matt Eberflus wants to get filled sooner rather than later. But they're going to give both of these two rookies ample opportunity to prove that they belong with the first team defense and the play that you referenced which happened in seven on seven where Terrell Smith was like it was it was just like the coverage was perfect because he tipped it Eddie Jackson was right there comes down with the interception and runs the other way like I mean I thought that that was such a smart heads up play the way that Smith broke on the ball and it was able to set up his teammate for that to happen. It's not to say that Tyreek Stevenson hasn't had those plays. He had an interception yesterday during the team portion, but this is good because if you go back to last year, it was Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon playing two positions at once, more or less. So they would just started moving him solely into the slot at training camp. And you were putting a lot on this guy's plate. So now they can focus Kyler in at the slot and have the competition among the two outside corners who both have the same athletic and physical traits that they were drafted for, like letting that competition play out is going to be good for the back end of this defense. Oh, 100%. And at a minimum, right, even extrapolating out whatever the Jalen Johnson situation does become, you feel better about the depth you come into this season with. And I think that was something where, you know, I I asked a question on here. I said, listen, I, I love the starting names on this team, but... If Jalen Johnson or, or Tyreek Stevenson go down, you know, we're quickly at Kendall Vildor and yeah. that scares the heck out of it. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think that now you're seeing that it, it, there is more depth in this DB room. And so very excited about that. Plenty more to get to on the Chicago Bears podcast, but 
We got ad reads out here. We got to pay some bills real quick. So we'll do that. And then on the other side, got to talk about a little bit more from the 11 on 11. Saw some really interesting plays there. Uh, But before I do that, I want to let you guys know this portion of the show is brought to you by Hard Rock Casino in northern Indiana. You can see Black Veil Bridges and VV on September 28th at Hard Rock Live. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Com. You a uh, you a fan of Black Veil or? I or think VV? I I think we need to go do the pod from there one of these that days so we lit. can like actually see what well, this is. We are out there for the uh, football for fest. football fest. See, we Maybe can they can a, come back. I don't know what their schedule is. Sneak a little is. podcast in yeah. there. I mean, I'm not mad at it. Hey, we got to keep things rolling right along here. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and showing love. Make sure you guys are dropping a bear down in the comments below. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. 11 on 11s was very, very interesting today. Some of the notes that I thought uh, really stood out. Justin Fields' first play. <laughs> I mean, you got to start big there. Big shot. You got to like, start there. Who, big him shot to his who it best went friend. to. Like, that's, it, that was such an element that was missing from last year where I can understand. I got this question from a couple Bears fans in my Twitter or X mentions, whatever it's called now. Ugh. Um just we're, kind of raising we're, we're, we're from chicago we're still calling it the sears tower I know. it's still That's, twitter we're I not changing it. it to x i just don't <laughs> like the little logo because it reminds me of like the athletic logo so i'm like am i clicking on an athletic story or am i clicking on like because it's the black with like the outline of the of the letter it's i don't like it come back with the bird yeah, i just yeah, think it's, the bird it's dumb bring but the when like the question that was brought up and, and it, they do a valid point like People don't want this as much as it's exciting to see DJ Moore and Justin Fields and DJ Moore is a tremendous wide receiver. Like there's a reason that they gave up draft like that draft capital to go get him. You don't want to see it become Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall, yeah. right? Like there's some I can understand as long as there's an outshot. I don't mind Jay I, Cutler and Brandon Marshall as long as there's an outshot. And it seems like they're <laughs> developing with like Chase Claypool had a very active day, two yes. days in a row yes. that have been really good for him. So I like I haven't responded to these people, but hopefully you're listening to the Chicago Bears podcast <laughs> because I think that that's where the concern's real. Yeah. I get it because you don't want like your quarterback to only lock in on one wide receiver, but it's also, hey, these two have a chemistry that is undeniable in practice. And now you are starting to see. There were a couple times when it was like, you know, third and long today when Chase Claypool was, you know, finding a way open for Justin Fields or at least giving him another option that Fields was willing to go his direction. And I'd like to see more of that. But you just can't deny how quickly the chemistry has come on between Moore and Fields in that first play where he hits DJ Moore, I think it's on the slant. And then... You actually got to see the acceleration, yeah. like because he's running. Eddie Jackson's trailing him, and he's going towards the the far sideline. It's like okay, he put the jets on. Like I thought that was one of the coolest things to see because he is so deceptively quick. Watching him do that without even like breaking a sweat, more or less, is I mean that's going to be something that they're going to try to utilize to their advantage against defenses. Which credit from where we were at, I couldn't tell if he just slowed down before the end zone, but Eddie caught him. Mm-hmm. Like so, I think he did. I gathered. You think he somebody, slowed down a little bit? I was like, Eddie caught him. Like, I don't know if he, he slowed down. He definitely caught up to him, but I don't think that DJ towards the end was going as fast. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I think he was going. To, he didn't get a touchdown. He didn't get a it. touchdown. He stepped he's going, out on the he's side. He's going out of bounds. Yeah. So I think that that might have been some of it, but <laughs> it was impressive. And I mean, if you're been if you've been watching training camp, if you're here every day, seeing 
that be the first play should come as no surprise because of how much they've been working towards that and working towards the deep passing game. I mean, that wasn't a deep pass, but that should be coming next. Like those big, because we did see that with, with him and Tyler Scott. When you, when you see those plays, right. Does it, does it remind you of, and I'm, I'm going back to your Vikings days. Now, does it remind you of like when Justin Jefferson showed up or even how, you know, what kind of weapon there was when, Stefan Diggs shows up with Josh Allen because when I see it, I'm 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 literally just sitting here going like, I think we not only have a wide receiver combination that feels really good, but that there's a quarterback that's going to be able to consistently to get the ball to him, and they're going to make each other better. I agree with that. Um, the the Je- the Jefferson thing's weird though because it was COVID year. It was a COVID summer off season that was truncated. He didn't really do much during that training camp and he didn't play really. He didn't start till week three right Right away. You saw it. It was like seven catches for a hundred plus yards and a touchdown. But that idea that you like how he's made Kirk Cousins look really good and Kirk Cousins enters. People can argue for Kirk Cousins. Exactly. (laughs) I think you're going to see some, and Justin is really, really Justin. Fields is very good on his own, but like when you still have to work through the unknown of can you take this passing game to the next level? Well, you already have like the other side of it with DJ Moore, who's going to do what he needs to do on his end to hold up the bargain. So I, I, it's, it's probably because we saw none of that last year that it looks like, okay, like he actually has somebody that can make him look good and vice versa. It just did not exist anywhere. Even with Mooney in the offense last year, there were still some question marks about can this guy be a number one? What is this going to yield? It Can he replicate what he did in 2021 with Fields? And you didn't see that. With DJ Moore, there's no questions about that. Like those two have already established themselves as, you know, that's the one-two punch that the de- every defensive player you've, you've talked to will tell you about how like lethal that is and how hard it is to cover when guys have nonverbal cues and they yeah. have so many things that they do that you just can't coach almost, and that's why they've spent so much time around each other in the offseason and even now to get up to speed where that stuff becomes second nature to them and they can make those plays in games. I feel like we've seen a lot of, you know, like you said, the last couple of days really trying to get Claypool involved. And I'm listen. I've, I'm. I thought Chase Claypool was better than what he showed in Pittsburgh. I still think this guy has all the talent in the world. But the one thing that we continue to see, and if it's my only gripe that I have with Claypool, is even today we saw it right. When you throw the ball high, I feel like he's not using his size to his advantage. He came down really hard on his back, trying to catch the ball in his chest. That's when, yeah, it looked for a minute like he got dinged up. I mean, Fields did throw in a triple coverage on that one. It does hurt with that. But Um, but even on that, right, like if I'm throwing that to a very different receivers, DeAndre Hopkins or Justin Jefferson, they're going to use their size to be up over everybody. Chase Claypool, 6'4", 6'5", it kills me every time I see him jump and do one of these to try and like let the ball come into mm-hmm. his chest as he falls. He had one that I think was he was out of bounds in the back of the end zone. Like the field threw it to the corner to the back of the end zone. And that one I was like, oh, is he in? Is he out? Because you couldn't really see where like what the refs were ruling, but it looked like he was out because you didn't on the on the right side of the field? No. On well, if you're looking 
so if you're facing the building on the left side of the field. So like the end zone that was furthest away from where I was standing. Okay. And he this was, was he was they called it touchdown. It looked he was like out. it looked like he was out. He had one foot in and even Jalen Johnson was like, Are you kidding me? Like, what are we doing? And I yeah, I think that was the one where they were celebrating. I'm like, wait a second, he should be out. Yeah. But regardless, that one I, I thought, okay, well, body control on that is good, but like you have to also body control your way in bounds. You yeah. know what I mean? And then the other one in the front of the end zone on third down during uh, another team period, I thought he kind of like cradled it in his yeah, chest. And that's his go-to. It's, it feels like. it, that worries me with ball security. Yeah. Somebody can come punch that thing out or it might pop out. But he, like when you start wondering what his next step is in this offense, high pointing the ball and the body control and his catch radius is probably pretty big. Yeah. So starting to see those things put into action will be what the bears are hoping for. Yeah. I just, that that's the, if, if there's any gripe that I've, that I'll ever have with them, it's just that because the, the guy, listen, he's faster than most people probably think he really is. He, he can get over the top of, of DBs. I, I think that he's going to be a perfect asset alongside DJ Moore. But there's just there's always that. Why aren't you giving me more? That's the one thing I'm always looking for from Chase Claypool. But the one part, I, I guess, if there's any positive to take from him going down and dinging himself up a little bit, uh, Tyler Scott came out on the very next play. Yeah. And I mean, what this, he talked to us on the podcast and he talked about because his ankle was torn up in college his last year, he wasn't able to get off the line. People thought press cover that he couldn't get over press coverage. This guy's killing press coverage. <laughs> and his speed was on display, got that deep shot from fields. I couldn't see where they were lining up at from my vantage point. Where was that? Where were they at on that? Because it looked like he underthrew him, but I couldn't tell if it was like well, he threw a 60 They were yards somewhere well. around like the 30-yard line. Because remember, yeah. like they ran <laughs> – First team offense went three and out and and Eberflus is like, no, come back and do it again. So they went, they got their reps twice in a row. And so it went the fields to Claypool. And then there was, I think an incomplete in there. And then the Tyler Scott ends up setting up. There was one more play in between, but that set up the DJ Moore touchdown on third and five, like the separation that you saw Tyler Scott create between himself and the DB those are the speed tools that are put on display. Now, the hardest thing I was having a time with like judging is, okay, how did the pressure get to fields on that? Would that have been yeah. a sack? And that's again, like stuff that's really difficult to judge from the quarterback perspective, but Tyler Scott going streaking downfield against single high coverage did a really good job manipulating where he was and turning on the jets there at the end and coming down with that ball that's like being it may have been underthrown, but yeah. being able to get under it and make that play is the reason that he's getting first team reps right now. No, 100 percent. And I, I'm he's quickly showing it. And I actually got to ask Flus a question in the press conference. I heard yeah. you. I thought I like I looked over. I'm like, who is that? Oh, my God, it's Pat. <laughs> I just, they were like, they were like, last question. Nobody said nothing. I was like, All right, press I got conference, a Pat. No, I mean, that was that was a great. You got a great answer out of him, too. On Tyler Scott. He, you want to know what was weird? He like I think he looked at me and he was like, he's never done this before. Gave me like this fatherly smile. I was like, oh, I'm so comforted right now. All right, I feel good about asking this question now. But I, I thought that, you know, he said something that we've seen from Tyler Scott this entire way where Flus basically came out and talked about how this guy's not only quickly learning the playbook, but the maturity of him. He can be somebody who we see in there as a number one already. He can be somebody who or not a not a number one in the with the first team, I sure, should say, sure, because 
he's got an understanding. And, and the thing that Flew said that I thought was really key there is he gets it. And when you get it, you can play fast. And we see that with him every time he's on the field, every move he makes, he's playing fast. He is. And it's still the fact that he has to absorb a playbook that's much bigger than what he had at Cincinnati. Yeah. When he talked to us about it, it's the same thing that you get from guys who come from spread offenses where, you know, they're not used to getting the play delivered into the huddle and, you know, the play coming in the huddle. They're used to hand signals. They're used to looking at the sidelines, all these checks and these the post poster boards. Like <laughs> He's learning it at a pretty quick pace and that's helping him know, okay, remember when uh, Getsy said last week that there were a couple of times his alignment was off, but he was yeah. able to like make up for it more or less yeah. because of his athleticism and his speed. When you get those things right, like watch out with somebody like that because he has the gifts of like I, I just the acceleration alone it's different it, it definitely his speed feels different than a dj Moore speed but i'm not like you know for him as a as a stretch the field vertical threat to carve out a role for yourself this early in the training camp to yeah. show where you're going to go in this offense and the amount of first team reps he's getting it didn't take long no and that shows you okay the guy can learn really fast and he can play on a consistently good level in camp to continue to get that sort of work because that's probably the role he's going to have as a rookie in this offense yeah i was talking to even just watching i was talking to jason after the play and his game to me feels like he can use his speed very much like DJ Moore does. Now, it's not the same speed, but it's an accent of what he's doing at the line sure. to get himself. If you give me an inch, I'll be able to take a mile and a half. And I think that that's something that even in training camp, right, in pads, like you said, it's all a simulation. It's never going to be a real game. We got It is crazy to say that our first preseason game is what, next Thursday? No, they play on the Saturday against Next Saturday. Buffalo. Yeah, but like yeah. the first one is this Saturday. This like, Thursday. This Thursday is the first one. The Hall of Fame. Like game. we've got craziness. We've got preseason right around the corner, Chicago. Like it, it's the it's football wild. is here. It is wild. But um, no, I just I see his game as something that not isn't just that's a training camp game, right? He he can do that here, but he's not gonna be like those are things to me that I could see him being able to do in a real game yeah. versus real DBs. No, absolutely. And that's what they want to utilize him for. Because if you watch, like the way I always tell people to tell, like when they're doing their 53s and everything else, it has to be a collection of what you see on a consistent basis with the personnel that they use. So when we're watching them and they go, they have three receivers out there, who's where? Where's Mooney? Where's Claypool? Where's DJ Moore? Where are they being aligned? And you see, okay, those are the three. That's you know more or less their base. If it's 11 personnel, yeah. they're utilizing those guys. And then who's coming in next? You're watching him basically be the fourth receiver right now between him and kind of Equinemius St. Brown. Yeah. And so to watch him not – I don't feel like he's fighting for a roster spot at, at all. all. Like at all. He's in, firmly in the competition for the punt returner job, and I'm really actually very intrigued to see how he and Velas Jones handle that feels like Velas is going to have more of the, this is your specific role. This is all we're going to utilize you for offensively. And that Tyler can come in as the vertical stretch the field speed guy, but also mix in with other personnel as well. Yeah, no. And, and even I, I keep saying that I got to give credit to Velas for how he's looked in camp. He, he's he, had a good camp so far. He has looked leaps and bounds, but I thought when Luke Getzey said it last week, you can kind of tell how he feels about it, right? Like he talked about him just last year. He didn't know where to go. Yeah. And now 
I think very much like Flu said today about Tyler Scott, he's confident in what the playbook is, second year in it, whether he played well in it or not last season. He's confident about what his role in the playbook is. And every time his I don't think I've seen him drop too many passes no. in training camp to this point. I don't I can't recall. Maybe a breakup in the I think left corner of the end zone. Maybe there was a break. There was a couple like one on ones yeah. that he didn't win, but I haven't noticed anything where it was egregious like the way that it was last year. And you're not going to typically see that stuff all the time in training camp. But for him to be playing at a level where he doesn't look frazzled yeah. out there and knowing that he's got to kind of change some of the things he does within his game, that's where. Valus can really make a mark and make an impression because they're going to give him every chance to succeed because he's a third round draft pick. Oh, they have to justify that. Yeah. But if they can use them in gadget plays, if they can use them on end arounds, on jet sweeps, on some of the stuff. I mean, we saw an end around today with Darnell Mooney. Um, there's also the reverse. They ran one with Claypool, yeah, that, that, that one got blown did, up. That one and, did not work. No, that one got blown up. But you we like ran to, that a little last season. We could take that one out. I'm not. I'm not a could, coach. You could probably <laughs> expect that Valus would end up being. You know, when they you know, flush out kind of what right now they're just like doing, they're doing their install. They're getting yeah. a lot of stuff out there. They don't have time to do what they're doing now in season. So maybe it is Velas Jones in that sort of role yeah. during the regular season. But it, it's nice to see that like the creativity with the play calling, or at least the plays that are coming in right now is there. And what I like to see from it is the fact that it's not just those plays. Like it, when it becomes just those plays, anytime you come on the field, teams know what to expect. Sure. Absolutely. Bayless is actually going out, running mm -hmm. his routes really well, catching the ball in, in the middle of the field really well. So I, I've given credit to him a couple of times on the pod. The, he came out, showed out again today. So got to give credit. Who's been the person to this point? that maybe wasn't on your radar coming into the season that now might be a little bit on your radar? Honestly, it's probably Terrell Smith, but I can give you a different answer because for him, like he was a draft pick. Yeah. And I am, I look at back at his career at Minnesota and kind of the ups and downs where he's a starter, he loses his job, he comes back, you know, he's, I believe a fifth round draft pick, yep. fifth or sixth round draft pick. There's, it's like, why was that? Now you're going to start to see, okay, he's like put all that behind him. He's getting working with the ones. That's, you know, a sign of somebody who NFL teams and their scouting department looked at and said, no, there, we can tap into something here. If we, you know, maybe a different sort of scheme, maybe that fits his skill set better. But that one, like, I'm not, I'm not, I shouldn't be surprised at that because he's a draft pick. And just because three rounds more or less separate him from Tyreek Stevenson, that's a competition that needs to happen at corner. I think it's Braylon Trahan, the mm. guy from Louisiana who had the two picks yesterday. Yeah. You know, it's early in training camp, but to be able to see players, you know, kind of step up a little bit and show flashes like him, Aaron Cruikshank, who's been on punt return. He, he missed a wide open ball today. Uh, I think with a third team offense, yeah. but you know, it's him, Tyler Scott and Bayless Jones, like three guys right back there, right working back there for a punt return role. Maybe he doesn't end up getting that job, but maybe he can play his way into a special teams role. Maybe he can play his way into, you know, the practice squad. Having those guys around is never a bad thing. And then like, you know, I guess I say like those two and then probably 
probably Simba Webster. I mean, I've, we've been saying this now for a he's, couple of years, he's, though. He's he's Flus's guy, and he is such a productive player in training. Camp. He's a great. He's a, sometimes you like Doug Kramer is a training yes. camp or no, excuse me, Dieter Island. Dieter Island's yes. like a training camp yeah. phenom. Yeah, we see that every year, and he'll make the practice squad, but it's. It's those type of players that are fun to watch. that kind of like flash in the month of July and August. He's a new Graverman. Not Graverman. What was what was his name? Um, Daniel. I went baseball on H. Good Lord. We can trade him. Uh, <laughs> sorry, White Sox. Just everybody. Just get rid of everybody in the room. Who was who was the, the uh, practice squad guy? Daniel. We used to call him in, in Minnesota. We would call them Mr. Mankato. We yeah. would give out an award for it. The guy who like you don't expect to make the roster. Adam Thielen was actually a Mr. Mankato Braverman. candidate. Okay. Braverman. So this was it, it pains me to say we don't have the same sort of competition here where we have. I don't know if it would have been different when they were at Bourbon A if they had a. It was Mankato was where the Vikings trained and you gave it to somebody who was a long shot to make the roster, but impressed and did enough where you can make a legitimate case. And we've seen a couple of those so far. But yeah, Trahan yesterday with the, you know, with the two interceptions, like, you know, I don't know if he'll crack the depth chart. I still think that, you know, Josh Blackwell for his special teams contributions probably has a better case, especially at the cornerback position. But he was somebody I didn't expect. Like, I expect Deontay Foreman. Yeah. I expect Noah Sewell. Players that came in this offseason, whether free agency or the draft, to be able to come in and carve out roles while we, they may not be, like, the number one person at their position. And, and Foreman and Herbert have have looked really good so far. But it's nice to see the guys who can flash. And hopefully, if they can do it on a more consistent basis than just one practice, that they'll make something out of that. Yeah, we'll see, man. We got a lot of practice left. Yes, months. I mean, <laughs> months. That's, that, is, that is the thing. It's like, oh, it's just Today's training August camp. August 1st, and the first game September 11th. There's a lot yeah. of time in between yeah. now and then. We got we got some time here, but I mean, listen, it's football. Like th- today was football. Like everything else is like, okay, that's nice. Yeah, they run around. Justin Fields <laughs> throws the football. They, it, be- it becomes more it. serious. It becomes more real when they go in pads, even if it's still against like their own team. Yeah, it just has a different feel to it than it did, you know, four days ago. And you, and you started. You're just waiting for that Demarcus Walker. Ooh, like we so heard the loud. other day. Like, it's so loud. And that's the juice that they just didn't have along the defensive line last year. Yeah. It'll be it'll be very interesting to see kind of what – I mean, he's he's bringing pressure. Like maybe we won't get an edge pressure. And he really is the guy that we thought he was. But we'll see all that and more. We'll continue to cover it here on the Chicago Bears podcast. Stay tuned with us as we are here at training camp. Uh, hit that like button, subscribe to the page for Courtney Cronin. I'm Pat, the designer of Chicago Bears Podcast. Right on. Peace.